Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Start off with this one. Porch talk. We're hanging out at the house. We're gonna play some tongs and uh, shoot. I guess talk a little bit. I sound alright. Yeah, sounded good, man. That's good. All right, brother. Just uh, start it out, man. It's, appreciate you taking the time and uh, having me over. Absolutely, man. It's an honor. And so, uh, growing up. Originally from Mississippi, Loosedale, right? Yep. And so, yeah. growing up in Loosedale, how did music uh, get into your life? Was it through a church or uh, just the old vinyls from your parents, or how did that start? Yeah, so basically my dad always uh, talked about how he was a musician when he was younger. But growing up, I never saw that side of him. And I always ended up playing baseball. I was... You know, we lived on 40 acres, so I was always out in the woods, messing around, hunting and stuff. And, uh, you know, music wasn't really a big part of my life until about I was eight or nine years old. And my dad started getting together with his friends and all, and he started uh, 
you know, having these little get-togethers, and they would play Give Me Three Steps, they'd play Cocaine by Eric Clapton, and just all the old favorites, and shoot, that started kind of showing me how much fun music was, but it still wasn't sinking in at the time, and uh, yeah, I went to school one day, and a couple guys were sitting around, they knew a couple chords on the guitar, and I just, uh, I got a little jealous, I was like, man, I could do that, you know, so <laughs> I told this girl, I said, man, I can play a G chord, ain't no problem. And uh, anyway, she told me I couldn't. I said, I'll show you tomorrow. I can do it. So I went home, and I practiced on practice. And I couldn't learn a G chord, but I learned some weird version of a D chord. And I came back. I said, I told you I can play guitar. And uh, at that point, I was just hooked. You know, Because yeah. a lot of my friends were kind of picking up the instrument, too. And uh, um, yeah, I think church, you mentioned that earlier, was definitely a big part of that, too, because that's where I started cutting my teeth, really, like playing whole songs mm-hmm. instead of just playing licks, you know, so it's just a mixture of everything. It just kind of perfectly worked out together, and I ended up quitting baseball and football all at the same time, and ever since then, it's been like some sort of, you know, virus or something. It's just got all over me, and I can't get rid of it. So. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. I grew up playing uh, baseball, and I remember, uh, I think it was my 10th grade year, I quit. Because I, I had been playing guitar for a year now, and I was like, the, the possibility of me playing baseball for the rest of my life and enjoying it and getting paid, yeah, slim. Right. But I can enjoy this guitar at the house unless my hand falls off. Right. I'm going I'm to do this. And I want to hone this craft. No doubt. And, uh, I mean, like you said, with the church, man, uh, that was, it was cutting teeth for me, too. Because, like, with the guy that had taught me to play, he would play locally at some of the bars, and he would invite me out. So I got a little exposure there. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I started going to church, it was, like, every Sunday and putting a band together because yep. I had no idea how any of those things worked. Yep. And, um, you know, just what it took, um, you know, to lead that worship every Sunday and when you bring a group together and what it takes. So man, like as you were getting uh, in the church um, to get back on that, is uh, was that kind of solo or was that more of a band thing? So several of the friends that I knew that were picking up guitar and taking lessons, there was a local guy in our town in Loosedale, his name was Ron Monk, I okay. think, or maybe Don Monk, can't remember. I didn't actually take lessons from him, but a lot of my friends did. And uh, so they were taking lessons from him, and they were going to that same church I was going to at the time my friend brought yeah. me to. So, yeah, I mean, not to be outdone, I started learning guitar and started kind of learning that. I saw somebody singing. I was like, I could sing. That's no big deal. I could do that. Uh-huh. And honestly, I wasn't, like, good at it, but I had the confidence to, like, project a little bit. And I think that was a pride thing. You know, my former band members will probably tell you that. My, yeah, so when I was in 7th uh, and 8th grade, I was in a band uh, called Don't Ask. And it was uh, basically me, this guy named Kobe Rester, who's from Loosedale, and this guy named Caleb Barker, who actually uh, passed away when freshman year of college. But, yeah, man, we uh, we had it going on, but it, it it wasn't really a matter of, you know... We were good enough. It's just that we had the confidence to get out there, learn a few real songs, and and actually perform. And uh, I think that's always kind of been my thing: is that I've I've just had the um, ability to get in my own world during a performance and make something out of it. And to me, that's always been what music is about. To yeah. a lot of people, they see that as you're overzealous because you're trying to make something out of nothing. Like you aren't able to um, make this happen out of your own uh, your own volition. You have to get in this own little world, and it makes you a bad person, or whatever. But to me, that's what music is. You know, yeah. to me, that music isn't about the necessarily the the skill or the technical ability of what you're doing as much as it is about you know what you're conveying, what you're communicating with yeah. the people listening. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, uh, music is an expression. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a creative art. It's no different than, a, you know, artists putting paint on a canvas. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you're just doing it with words and lyric and music. Right. And, uh, yeah, I get that, man. It's like, uh, I can get how people can see it kind of zealous and uh, some kind of a volition. Uh, that's crazy. Like, we ain't, we ain't talked about anything like this. Let's dive off into that for a second. <laughs> yeah. Well, so uh, recently I heard that John Lennon, there was a quote, and he said, you know, I'm a musician. If you give me some pots and a pans or like a rock or something, it's like, I'm going to get you something out of it. Yeah. You know, I can, I can make music happen because I'm a musician. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. So I always took that to say, well, it doesn't matter if you're playing the three chords and you can't sing it don't really matter if you're a musician you can you can make something happen there to where people can understand that and enjoy it you know on on another level so to me um i strive to do that even even as i do spend a lot of time developing my technique these days i spend a lot of time learning theory and understanding music as a whole i still don't want to lose sight of that yeah. That's the main purpose of, of what I'm trying to do. Every time I get on stage, every time I record a song, um, you know, it's it's a higher thing than just making math. You're not making something that can be understood necessarily. It all depends on what you're uh, what you're able to communicate. So. Yeah, and um, man, just from playing in a church to singing to the audience of one and then um, to play out at the bar. I've done both, and um, I want to say it was Bob Dylan that uh, he said he wouldn't write a religious song because he felt that it would have to be right. Mm -hmm. And that if, you know, if I'm just writing a song, I can say whatever I want about the subject. It's my opinion. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you see that all throughout Dylan's writings, but... Um, when I think about like the differences, I agree with Dylan. Like, if I'm gonna sing a song about God, I want it to be correct with what I believe, and not only that, it needs to agree with the congregation so mm -hmm. that it can resonate there. But when you have this uh, freedom in songwriting, and you're playing a show just out at a house party or you know wherever you are at a venue, is uh, the freedom of expression there? It, it seems to be a, a lot bigger space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're able to put your own twist on it in a way. You know, when I, I've just recently led worship at a, a, a massive church, and you always felt like you had to be right on the money, you know, every time you got up there. And there wasn't really a lot of room for, you didn't really have a big window for mistakes. You, you yeah. felt you felt like you felt like you had a tremendous pressure to really put on an excellent performance, and in some ways that's really helpful because you see a lot of musicians, maybe on a local level or maybe even on a regional level, that they cannot get their ducks in a row and, and make an awesome performance happen because they're too worried about being free and being loose and they're not tight enough but then again they're it's way easier to overcorrect that than undercorrect it i feel like most people can't even get in that headspace anyways to um freely express themselves through music so yeah. i don't know i if i had to like tell it to like a younger musician or somebody who is just getting started I would never say go out there and make a perfect performance yeah. happen. Because it'll seem robotic. Right. In a way, you know, I, I'm definitely all about learning the song. Like if you're doing a cover song, learn it right. Learn what they're doing. Because if, if you're learning, let's say, a Dwayne Allman song, for instance, you know, for the Allman Brothers, you need to learn what he's doing. So later on, it starts to, you know, you start to connect and it starts to click. It all starts to make sense you'll have this next level type thing that you understand. But then again, if you're not doing covers and you're doing your own thing, or once you learn those covers, my friend Greg said this yesterday, once you learn the covers right, then you can put your own spin on it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that you're actually still doing 
the next level musicianship that you would be doing if you were just copying Dwayne Allman. But you're just putting your own spin on it. And that's what music is all about. All of your favorite covers, um, and I'm actually going to do a cover later on on the podcast. You know, all of your favorite covers, they got a little bit of their own spin on it, but they shouldn't be, like, worse than the original. No. You know? So hold yourself to a high standard, but don't make music something that has to be exact. It's not an exact science, you know. So at this time uh, in your life, seventh, eighth grade with Don't Ask and like covers, I, I'm glad you brought it up because that's influence. Um, you want to learn that song because you like that song and you enjoy the artist's work. And so that becomes through influence. And like you're saying on the guitar, learn it. Learn it right. Learn what he's doing. And then later when you go doing your songwriting, let's say it was Almond, and then maybe um, you got into the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere down maybe you like Led Zeppelin you got a little heavier and you take those influences and you can put them all together to make a brand new sound and uh, I, I think that's that's a beautiful thing like with a lot of things that I'm hearing now is like uh, there's a chick that uh, I just saw her Lily Hyatt uh, that's John Hyatt's daughter really mm-hmm. and she played at the Sunstroke House and when I was getting familiar with her music it was like um, she real honky tonk voice beautiful voice and uh but her music's kind of like indie like uh what you would think like band of horses kind of thing or uh even more alternative like it's it's a lot more rock and roll and it, it was interesting like seeing those two come together mm-hmm. and it, it was it was a great thing yeah i mean a lot of the best musicians you look at the rolling stones and even the beatles they were all covering old blues tunes yeah mississippi blues tunes that's how they got their start you know, and they were just putting that English spin on it. That's what kind of led them to be developed into who they became. Yeah. Know? And so, um, who were some of those influences, like in those earlier years, that kind of helped, I guess, get you to where you are now? And like, who who are those influences now? So when I originally started, my favorite music was Audio Slave, that Chris Cornell, mm-hmm. um, Tom Morello, like rock and roll, balls to the wall thing. And uh, I listened to a lot of Led Zeppelin. I listened to a lot of, you know, I listened to a lot of harder bands because I had a lot of energy at the time. Yeah. You know, I'm in seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I'm just jumping off the walls with energy. So once I was able to start playing that, the first thing I knew how to do was start a band so that I could just, you know, Get blow it out. it out. Yeah, I wanted to be loud. And then after that didn't work, it's like, you know, I was like, okay, I don't want to be in another band because that's annoying. Being in a band sucks. Well, I started doing solo stuff and I moved to Dolphin Island, Alabama from Loosedale. And I started getting into stuff my friends were into, like the Avett Brothers. Started getting into stuff I could play solo a little more. Like Jason Mraz was big at the time. I really enjoyed his music. Um, you know, I listened to... Just anything at the time to to be it that I could do on myself. I'd listen to a lot of Stone Temple Pilots, the acoustic stuff they did. Mm-hmm. I'd listen to a lot of Unplugged on MTV. But as the years went on, I went through college still listening to that type of music. And I began to want to be in a band again. I want to get louder. I want to jump around. I want to actually play lead guitar. Because lead guitar is one of my favorite things. Yeah. So I kind of got playing with a band with some of my friends and then eventually I ended up leading worship at a church in Marcus Point um, in Florida and uh, yeah that's where my last band happened but you know I think where I'm at now is uh, the possibilities of music you can make everything on your laptop you know you can you can create the music before you create the band Yeah, and I think Honestly, for me, that's really the only the only way to go um, at this point because I understand what I want to hear. I understand what I want to see. It's just a matter of uh, putting the work in and actually creating the music myself. It takes longer, mm-hmm. but I'm more proud of the product at the end because I feel like it was made coming from a good place. So to me, the integrity of the music is a really big thing. And... Um, 
if if I had to name some of my favorite artists now, I'd probably be like Max Frost. It's uh, I listen to Tame Impala pretty often. I've been listening to them for like seven years. Yeah. I listen to, um, you know, I'm getting into Pink Floyd again, which I used to love them when I was a kid. And, you know, today's today's music is changing, so I try to keep myself a little bit current on what the modern trends are. But for the most part, I'm just trying to be honest with myself and honest with um, what I'm making. So I don't worry too much about what's modern, but then again, I do like to see what everybody's up to. So Yeah. Well, man, just from what I've heard, man, I, I definitely see uh, the Cornell, man. Uh, you definitely push the voice. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you do it well. Like, uh, one of my favorite covers, like, to me, I, I always said that uh, one should not cover Prince. And then, uh, you know, Cornell covers nothing compares to you. And that was probably, like, one of the best covers I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. And uh, and he nails it. <laughs> but I, I still, I was like, don't nobody else do it now. Nobody else do it. But then again, it might be out there, you know? Well, Chris Cornell, though, man, he... I feel like he was really disrespected the time he was alive because he was such a living legend. And honestly, the way music works is... You're not famous till you did. Well, that's definitely true. But also, too, like, you look at all the 80s music that's coming out. Before that, you know, there was a lot of, like, rock coming out. Yeah. It's just a matter of time before that grunge comes back. You know what I mean? And Chris Cornell, I think he just... From all the time that I was alive, it felt like he never got any recognition. And he's always been one of my favorite vocalists. Me too. But, I mean, after he died... And now Soundgarden was doing some stuff out, you know, before he died, but since he's died, it feels like he gets a lot more respect now from people. And yeah. I just think that's a little sad. But... You know, what can you do? It sucks. It was one of the last shows that he'd done live before he passed. Is um, It was a bad show. And uh, I think the crowd was actually booing. And he eventually just stopped. He was having trouble vocally, uh, hitting the notes. And um, they were just heckling. And eventually he walked off, walked back on, tried again, and just walked back off. And then later it would be an OD to where um, his wife came out and said that... Um, you know, it wasn't on purpose. Like, um, he had taken some earlier and, like, didn't remember taking that. And then we took more, and that's what got him. Right. And uh, that, that was that was a bad day because uh, Audio Slave, Soundgarden, I liked his solo work. Uh, the Mega Band, was it Perfect Circle? That wasn't, no, it was uh, um, Temple, Temple, Temple the Dog. Temple of the Dog, yeah. Temple of the Dog. And I was like, I'm good with all that. And, um, uh, but I'm I'm like you. I always like the time he was alive. He was always it was like a B lister, in my opinion. He was he was a he was top caliber. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to say Pearl Jam and like I guess same goes with Kurt Cobain with Nirvana. It's like he's always a when you think Alice in Chains was always a. Mm-hmm. But Chris Cornell should have been right up there with those guys. And he was for a time period. It's just I feel like as the years went on, maybe his music was a little bit more artistic than it was actually like hit stuff, you know? Yeah. You know, you can, you can put even flow up there all day long on the radio. You can put, um, probably like four or five Nirvana hits up there all day on the radio. But, you know, there, there was very few radio friendly hits that, Soundgarden had and they were they were definitely popular for a while but it feels like as time went on all they ever played was Black Hole Sun you know and you know you never you never heard Audio Slave on the radio except for right when it came out and I always thought that was really stupid because of how influential it was to a lot of musicians you know musicians almost everyone I I know listened to them but Anyway, it's a sad story, but... Um, what can you do? Yeah, you really can't do nothing about it, but also you've got to, you know, you got to realize that there are certain things in this world that you really just can't, you really can't depend on, and fame is one of them, you know? Yeah. It doesn't matter what level you're on, you can't, you can't put all your 
your hope and fame and you know I think Chris Cornell if it really was an accident you know I don't think it was bothering him too bad you know yeah oh uh, man just speaking I guess of hearing people's name and uh, I guess it was while you were on Dolphin Island um some of the guys around here, I don't know how you got hooked up with Cam. I don't know if you had known him or met him or how that went down, but um, I want to say you were uh, you were helping a church out in the bayou, I think the First Baptist. I think mm-hmm. you were playing out there. And um, I want to say a couple guys from Friendship was telling me about you because uh, we were doing the foundation band at uh, Friendship. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm trying to remember like just how I started hearing your name, but then it was like I heard it once and then I just kept hearing it, kept hearing it, kept hearing it. And then you were playing out with uh, Cam. Next thing I knew, I was like, you got a couple uh, videos out on social media. And I was like, this cat's good. And um, so how did you and Cam meet? And like, when did y'all start playing together? When did that become a thing? So my buddy, right when I got back home from uh, college, basically, I was playing some music with a buddy of mine, Aaron Ackridge. And basically, we were just friends playing. But after... You know, that band didn't work out that we were trying to get started. Aaron ended up meeting Cam somehow. I don't even remember how he met Cam. But we ended up getting introduced. And I kind of had something that, you know, maybe Cam benefited from. And he had something that I benefited from. And uh, he had the killer vocals. And I was wanting to be a band leader at the time. And also kind of play lead guitar and sing harmony. You know, that's always been one of my favorite things to do is just take a step back and just play in another band. And, you know, Cam was able to be that front man. He was able to really get out there and probably do a better job than me, especially at the time. So, um, yeah, I heard him. I sat down. We were in his living room one day, and he just started singing, and I was blown away. Yeah, he blew my hair back too, man. Yeah. First time I heard Cam sing, it was that friendship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, immediately after that, uh, Levi had mentioned, he's like, Cam's going to play with us. And I was like, good. <laughs> and then um, went over to his house to uh, just hang out in the living room, and we'd pass a guitar back and forth. And we'd done that a couple of times. And ever since then, me and Cam, we've been fairly fairly close, you know. Mm-hmm. As close as one could be, living four hours apart. But. Right. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, he's a good dude, man. He's uh, yeah, yeah. He's as, he's just about as good as they come, man. He he's got three kids and a wife. He still plays music. You you really can't ask more than that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And his taste and uh, he changed my mind on a lot of things because like I haven't uh, I've never really been a big country fan. Like when I think country, I just go back uh, to what my dad listened to when I was growing up with uh, you know Waylon and Willie and. Um, Hank Williams and those old cats and like it was like late 80s and the 90s uh, country music it just changed Um, a lot of people say it was like with the snap drum like when that happened but I don't know what happened but like the sound and what what it was written about changed and um, Cam was one of those cats that introduced me to like what I would say real country music that's out there that's not on your radio and uh, it's kind of like that red dirt that happens out in Texas Oklahoma and uh even now, like I remember, I think Cam was one of the first people that introduced me to Sturgill, and uh, for sure, uh, when he he used to cover uh, Jason Isbell a lot, that was the first time I'd ever heard of Jason Isbell outside of Drive By Truckers, mm-hmm. and so I had no idea. And then when he had that little band for a while, like uh, man, Cam was just responsible for introducing me to a lot of music, like Cadillac Three, Cadillac or Cadillac Cadillac Three, three yeah, and uh, Band of Heathens. And um, and then I know during that time y'all started working together a little bit, and I had seen some videos of y'all playing some songs, and I was like, man, this is this is good. Glad those two know each other. Yeah, <laughs> Cam. Uh, yeah, he's all always an awesome duo partner, no doubt. I like to I like to hang back when I'm with him for sure. Yeah. So man, let's uh let's talk a little bit just about the local scene, and I know uh, you gotta get ready to head out before long, and we got some music to play, but uh. Just um, the local mobile scene and just some of the venues and some of the guys around town that uh, just need to be known about. Um, Just project a little bit about that, about mobile. So I think the local scene, it's it's really, uh, 
I mean, it's got a lot of hidden talent in it, you know, and I don't want to leave anybody out. But there's the obvious ones, and that would be the the Red Clay Strays, and yeah, probably those are all pretty decent friends of mine. You know, they're all good people. We just they're really busy because they're always playing, and we always play on the same night, so we never get to see each other. But uh, yeah, definitely check them out. Um, shoot, I think when when you're in when you're looking at the Mobile music scene, you really can honestly go out on a Friday or Saturday night from here to Fairhope and find what you're looking for. Yep. You know, Simone French is constantly playing. There is awesome, on Thursday nights, Yellowhammer plays at Brickyard, and there are a bunch of guys that are probably some of the most experienced musicians in this town, if not the most, and they all just get together and party like every Thursday night. They play pretty, like, crazy stuff. You'll, yeah. have, you'll have 40, 50, 60 people out there on a Thursday night it's you know I went one time it was 1.30 in the morning there was still like 40-50 people there just listening to them you know and I think Mobile the scene itself a lot of a lot of the main people who are around here who still claim this town they're around here yeah. you know they're, they're you're gonna find them my buddy Abe Partridge he's in London right now so Abe you know, Abe is a mobile musician, no doubt, but he is always traveling. Eric Erdman is always traveling. You know, you can you can go watch Ryan Balthrop. He's always around. But um, Molly Thomas and the Rare Birds, her lead guitarist is Rick Hirsch. She's incredible. Their yeah. whole band is awesome. You know, I think, uh, you know, and like I said, I'm probably leaving people out. But there are bands sprouting up everywhere in this town, you know, and... It just depends. It depends what you what your priorities are because Mobile is a great scene for people to make money and not actually have to go do the stressful life of being on tour. You don't actually have to go out and, um, you know, grind out a career yeah. out of town. You know, my, I've got a buddy named Stefan Sylvester. You know, he just. He's got like three or four kids at the time, you know, him and his, his wife, they're, they work at a church, you know, and he, he stays around here and he plays music and, um, you know, he's got his own little moves he's making, but it's fortunate for him that he doesn't have to travel all the time because he's got a family, you know, and I think with the local scene, you, you would really do well for anybody listening um, you'd really do well to just kind of get out and um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, go to Cedar Street Social Club, go to Dolphin Street Blues Company, mm-hmm. go to Brickyard, you know, go to Bone and Barrel in Fairhope, go go to these different places that always consistently have good music. And you can even go to Ocean Springs, you know, Greenhouse on Porter. There's a lot of great musicians play there. Jack's by the Tracks in Pascagoula. Yeah. Um, Callahan's. Callahan's. Oh, Callahan's. Now that's Callahan's. a... That's a unique place because that's where you go watch your out-of-towners a lot. Yeah. You know, you can... that That's the place you go to watch the next level of musicians come come through, out of town. And, you know, obviously the Soul Kitchen does a great job. They they get the, the highest of the high-level musicians at Soul Kitchen consistently. Last night, my wife and I had tickets to Wilder Woods. And we couldn't go because I had a gig and played at Lulu's last night. But, uh... Mm double book myself but Soul Kitchen is always doing crazy stuff but Callahan's is unique because it's a platform for the musicians that are playing festivals consistently to come to Mobile and not have to sell three, four hundred tickets they can sell 120 tickets or 80 tickets yeah. and you know still get paid enough to travel down here and they have a listening audience so um, yeah Callahan's is unique There's there's a lot going on in Mobile that a lot of people don't realize and shoot my buddy Ryan Dyer I'm playing with him tonight we're going up to Montgomery to play on a driving range and there's a huge venue up there called Range uh, 231 and you know Ryan makes moves too he's up up and down Nashville all the time so you really just got to get out I mean you it's not the local musicians aren't going to just be in your face you know, it's not like that. We don't have promotional budgets to just be all over your Facebook all the time. Yeah. We don't have the energy to just be putting all our 
eggs in this basket all the time because majority of people in, in Mobile, they just really want to listen to the radio. You know, majority of the people you know and love, they're fine with turning on radio. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's kind of worthless in a lot of ways to, for local musicians to just shove ourselves in your face. But then again, if you care about your local scene and the art in your scene, I think you should definitely support, you know, not only the musicians, but anybody who's bringing something unique to this town. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah man. I know uh, Mobile, it's it's definitely unique. Um, when I lived down here, I was down here right at six years, and um, especially the last two years, just paying more attention to the local scene, and it was the first time I heard Red Clay Strays. I saw them out at the Riddies mm-hmm. on the island, and um, it was a great, great show. I can't wait to see them again. Mm-hmm. And like Callahan's, uh, tomorrow night it'll be too late for those of you listening, but uh, my friend Pony Bradshaw, uh, they're playing at Callahan's. And he's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Mobile is constantly, and I, it seems like it gets better every year as far as the outer towners. but I know Soul Kitchen's been doing it for years. And even had Leon Bridges at the... Uh, Singer. At the Singer. That's cool. Yeah. And so uh, it seems like the scene here is constantly growing, but the, uh, the locality of it, it seems to be... Uh, it's it's fairly inclusive as far as like uh, being in the know, and like so Columbus, Starkville, and uh, Tuscaloosa, the area I'm I'm at, it's easy to run a circuit. They're all fairly an hour outside of each other, and it's it's easy to line things up. And here, like you say, it's easy just to be here. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. You don't have to leave. Mm-hmm. And so it's Mobile is an interesting place, man, musically. And I, lo- I loved uh, Farrell Gibbs on Hand the Monster. I think he re- he does a really good job with his podcast of like really, and he's had a lot of the guys that you mentioned, A. Partridge and uh, those cats. Of just Shoot, early James, he had early James and the latest on there. Yeah, and early's getting his next album produced by Dan Auerbach. He played a festival with uh, Dan Auerbach playing lead for him. Yeah, yeah, he played the Americana Fest in Nashville. Dan Auerbach's just sitting there playing lead for him. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, this is, it's, it's a cool scene. And so if you ever find yourself on the coast, maybe stopping through just to go to the beach, hey, maybe uh, leave a couple hours earlier, a day earlier, and come check out this music scene. Well, brother, you want to break off into a song? Sure, I'll play another. But yeah, I'm going to do, do a cover song, I guess. This is a Ray LaMontagne song, Jolene. Nice. Kind of out of tune, but I have to deal with it. Cocaine flame in my bloodstream. Sold my coke when I hit Spokane I bought myself a hard pack of cigarettes In the early morning rain Lately my hands, they don't feel like mine Eyes been stung with dust and blinds Held you in my arms one time Lost you just the same I ain't about to go straight It's too late But I found myself face down in the ditch Losing my hair, blood on my lips With a picture of you holding a picture of me In the pocket of my blue jeans I still don't know what love means I still don't know what love means Jolene Jolene 
I've seen your face Felt like part of this human race I've been living out of this here suitcase For way too long Man needs something he can hold on to Nine pound hammer or a woman like you Either one of those things will do I ain't about to go straight It's too late I found myself face down in the ditch Booze on my hair, blood on my lips A picture of you holding a picture of me In the pocket of my blue jeans I still don't know what love means I still don't know what love means one of my favorite Ray LaMontagne songs. Yeah. Yeah, Ray LaMontagne. That's an, another big influence for me, I guess, down the pipe. Did, I was, uh, I was thinking you... the other day, I was like, I have like 150 probably artists that I just really love. Yeah. You know? And I really can't even decide between them. And that sucks, because I can't ever talk about my influences, but I probably have a, at least 100, maybe 150 people that I just love. And I can listen to their stuff back to back. Yeah, like uh, Ray, Damian Rice, Amos Lee, mm-hmm. uh, Leon Bridges. Like when, when I think, like I just got playlists, and like when those come up, I'm like, we're gonna be here for a minute, you know? Yeah. Those those cats, and then like with bands, man, sometimes it'll be classic rock. Like I might go on a classic rock binge for like two or three months at a time, and you know, anywhere from the seventies to early eighties. And just hang there for a while. And then it may be a more alternative. Maybe it may go grunge. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know where it's going to go. But uh, I, I'm like you, man. It's, it's difficult uh, to talk about influence. I, I can tell you, uh, I could sit down, play you a cover, and be like, I learned this probably when I was about 18. I was real heavy into the alternative scene. Mm-hmm. And this is why I'm playing it. But, uh, right. Uh, yeah. Good choice, dude. Uh, Jolene. For the longest time, man, like, I got that song confused with uh, Dolly Parton's, and I don't know how, because it's about totally different things. Right, but a lot of people do. They're like, oh, Ray LaMontagne covered Dolly Parton, you know. Man, you gotta listen to it. Because <laughs> I guess most people don't know a Jolene. <laughs> yeah. So it does seem odd that Ray LaMontagne and Dolly know a Jolene. Either that, or that's just a generation that we don't know about, because I, I honestly never met a Jolene. Yeah, have I you? I don't think so. No, I don't think I don't think anybody really knows Jolene. So it's just crazy that Ray would write a song about somebody named Jolene. I think in a lot of people's minds. But yeah. Anyway, I prefer Ray's version. <laughs> <laughs> anything else to uh, to add or subtract that we didn't touch on? Anything else you want to talk about? I don't know. Um, I guess just y'all look out. You know, I'm definitely. I've got some stuff coming down the pipe. They're going to be pretty big, um, for me at least, hopefully. And uh, if not, there's there's a ton of great musicians. I definitely recommend looking up some local artists and, and keeping up them local to the Mobile area. But I consider Montgomery and, and Birmingham, you know, I consider them just as much almost a part as, as what we have going on yeah. because we're all Alabama and... Anything that makes Alabama better, I'm all about that. So yes, sir. You know, but I might I might come out with some stuff relatively soon. But in the meantime, definitely get out there and support a lot of these artists. They don't have the resources, or the means to, um, you know, go on big tours or necessarily 
pack out a place. So any anybody that takes an interest in a local artist, that's invaluable to them. You know, anybody who wants to buy a shirt, anybody who wants to buy a ticket, you can't even put a price tag on that because yep. a lot of these artists, when they're first getting started and that are you know stay to a local scene, they spend almost as much time as you would think a pro artist would on their music. They just don't have the same platform, you know. So that's that's the only thing I could say. I don't know. Like one thing about that man that's crazy to me is um, as I've been doing this podcast and just as I get to know um, just some musicians who have been in the game for a while, and uh, when we go back and just talk the years, it's uh, they've been doing it since they were seven, eight years old. And they were first on the scene by the time they were 16 or old enough to get allowed in to play. And then you're just now, like, fairly known at 30. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy to me that, it, you know, sometimes it's a 15-year off and on again, different bands, different iterations, different influences, different styles of writing. And then they, they finally start, you know, it's like they start getting up the hill. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, music is an interesting thing, man. Just uh, uh, not a not a uh, not a trade I would recommend if you think you're going to make a lot of money. That there is a possibility, but um, it definitely uh, I believe it's more heart. You need you need a ton of that more than anything. Yeah, you gotta you gotta do it for the love of it, or else you're gonna end up bitter because it's not gonna treat you treat you all that well if you don't do it for the love of it. Now. Unless uh, you've got some mega super deal out in Los Angeles and you know some rich parents, then yeah. you can you don't have to have that much heart. But even then, I'd probably just try to do something else other than this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, man, um, I'm gonna run out to the truck and grab my guitar, and uh, we can go have a little back and forth. And uh, you got time? You want to play yeah, a little? Yeah, we can chill. Yeah. Cool. News and notes thank you so much for listening to porch talk if you haven't done so already i'd ask that you would rate or view the show however it is that you listen to it whether it be apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher podbean iHeartRadio, spotify i however it is you do what you do if you would rate and review it thank you in advance as far as notes go me and Garrett jammed out to some original tunes I had written, one unfinished called These and Those Days, and a song you've heard on episodes gone by called Georgia. So I'll hang on to that for now. But what I will close with is Pony Bradshaw. Uh, he just played at Callahan's in Mobile this past Sunday. We recorded this on Saturday. And so Pony will be in Tupelo tomorrow, t- uh, Tuesday. And... Uh, the Blue Canoe, and so we'll be hanging out there. And so I haven't seen him or Cody Ray play. Uh, it's been about a year, and so I'm excited to see that. And so that'll be the close. And so I'm going to get on out of here with a song called Didn't It Rain. Hey right, guys. Peace out.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.